Hey, welcome everybody to Hope for Our Times. Here it is. It is Sunday afternoon or evening here on the West Coast in California. And on the East Coast of the United States, it is 7 o'clock p.m. And wherever you are in the world, we want to welcome you. And my guest tonight is in Minnesota. So it is 6 o'clock for all those who are in uh, the Midwest of the United States of America. We're going to have an exciting time tonight. You know my guest. He's been with me before. You saw him recently. He is also uh, an associate of Jan Markell's. And uh, Mark Henry is my guest tonight. Welcome, Mark. This is going to be... a terrific time with you. Thank you for joining me. Hey, Tom, great to be with you and uh, all of the uh, listening family out there. Hey, uh, God is good. Hold on to God. Don't grow weary of well-doing. Yeah, th- this is going to be terrific. Is it cold in Minnesota? Uh, you know what? It's warming up. I mean, it's like uh, we, we know summer is near, and that actually fits into our passage today. <laughs> this is going to be great. We're going to have a really good time. So <laughs> this is this is what we're going to do today. Uh, tonight, this is what we're going to do. I'm looking at everything, and we are getting so much news that doesn't make any sense. In fact, so much so much of it is discouraging. It's even depressing. People are suffering from all kinds of anxiety. Uh, this whole world has been, been turned upside down. And there's a lot of mass confusion. It's not just here in America, but it's literally affecting the entire globe. We hear of restrictions. We hear of a great reset. We hear of economy getting ready to collapse. We hear of famines that are going on. And of course, we're still dealing with coronavirus and what's going on in Israel. Then we're dealing with vaccines and green passports and just everything. So what we're going to do, I've asked Mark to join me to help put everything into the context of Bible. Because, listen, we have to have the Bible. And there's so much misinformation, even that's coming from prophecy people. There's all kinds of all kinds of rows. There's, they're going to the left, they're going to the right, all over the place. But what does the Bible actually say that we might be strengthened and have hope? Mark, I can't help but think that Jesus said in Luke chapter 21 of the Olivet Discourse, when you see all these things begin to take place, look up because your redemption draws near. In fact, uh, look up and lift up your heads, he says, because your redemption draws near. We look up, Jesus is coming. We lift up our heads and with the right context, which is what you're going to help all of us to do, put into context, give us the understanding of what's going on according to the words of Jesus himself, that we would be able to lift up our heads and go, okay, I can have joy. Jesus is coming, and now I am strengthened. So we're going to have a great time. I'm going to turn it over to you, and I I will say this. Do things look like a mess to you? Oh, man, the world's an absolute mess. But always remember this. When the world's a mess, the glory of God always shines forth. Think about Israel in the Old Testament. They're Mm -hmm. in slavery. They're in bondage 420 years. They're killing the children. I mean, things were really bleak. And then Moses is told to go, you know, talk to Pharaoh. And yeah. God shows up in a great way. So it, that's pretty typical. Uh, yeah. And then we have Passover. Speaking of Passover, uh, Jews are celebrating that worldwide tonight, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Last night and tonight. Okay. I'm going to start off here. We're going to go back 250 years or so into the uh, the uh, uh, history of the United States of America. But then we're going to enter into where we are. And this is where you're going to really bring everything together. Okay. George Washington. It's a prayer by him. And this is a quote, Almighty God, we make our earnest prayer that thou wilt keep the United States in thy holy protection, that thou wilt incline the hearts of the citizens to cultivate a spirit of brotherly affection and love for one another and for their fellow citizens of the United States at large. I, I Just reading this part, Mark, it's kind of like, 
wow, we are, we are so far from this now. And finally, that thou wilt most graciously be pleased to, do dis, to dispose us all to do justice, to love mercy, and to demean ourselves with that charity, humility, and pacific temper of mind, which were the characteristics of the divine author of our blessed religion, and without a humble imitation of whose example in these things we can never hope to be hap a happy nation. Grant our supplication, we beseech thee, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Prayer of George Washington. You hear those words, you look at where we are today. Help to us to make sense of that prayer of the Bible and life. Well, you think about George Washington and, and you know, the average American, we haven't read much history lately. And uh, some of us might even remember George Washington is on a, on a, on a $1 bill or whatever the case on a quarter. But, but this guy is, is, is called the father of our country for a reason. God used him uniquely and powerfully. And that prayer shows his heart, his concern, his love for America, his Judeo-Christian worldview coming out, recognizing the providence and sovereignty of God in the establishment of the country, praying for the safety of nation. Nations come and go. The only reason America is uh, uh, functioning at all today is because of the providence of God. And when our iniquities are full, God will, God will judge America like he has every other nation. That's why America needs to repent. And I always tell people, Jesus looked on Jerusalem and said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long, but you were not willing. You were not willing. That's how I've been praying for America. God, open our hearts. And, and I almost look today and say, America, you haven't been willing. And so I just, I just pray for our family neighbors. But you think about his prayer and how he prayed for us. I mean, you think about the violence today. We, we had a 70-year-old man who was stabbed last week, just an act of violent crime. Doesn't even make the news uh, in our town. Uh, and yet, George Washington is praying for brotherly affection, love for one another, uh, uh, care for the fellow citizens of the United States at large, um, to do justice, to love mercy. I mean, he's just, uh, you and I could write all these different Bible verses that he's quoting in the midst of this. And that's what he prayed for us 200 years ago. And boy, it's still an apropos yeah. prayer today. I look at that. I think uh, also last week, Mark, there was a 12-year-old boy, in, I think it was in Pittsburgh or somewhere in Pennsylvania, a 12-year-old boy was stabbed in line at a McDonald's, waiting in line, just orders. He's there with his family by a 51-year-old man. And so we look at these things. You, you look at our country, how far we have fallen uh, to where we are now, and it's disturbing. Lawlessness is abounding, not just on the streets. It's abounding in the courts. Let me read these words from Damon Duck, who wrote this this past week. Great article. His article is entitled, Apocalypse Approaching. And I think this will set the context for where we're going. He, he writes, the Bible clearly teaches that the Antichrist and false prophet will be active on earth at the same time during the tribulation period. If we are close to a world government run by the Antichrist, we are close to a world religion run by the false prophet. If we are close to a world government and world religion, we are close to a new economic system that the Antichrist and false prophet will use to control people. Put another way, 
When the tribulation period arrives, there will be three global systems on earth at the same time. A global political system, world government, global religious system, the world religion, and a global economic system, world control of buying and selling. And then he went on to quote things from Agenda 2030 and several other things, including cryptocurrencies that are rapidly developing. If we have enough time, we'll get there. But this is what I want to do. Okay, all of the discourse is recorded. Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke chapter 21. Um, will you give us our insight into the Olivet Discourse, uh, how it even came about? Um, and then uh, let's walk through the passage with everybody, all of our viewers, because there's so many things that are happening in the news. I'll throw some things out to you, but let's put it into the context, what's happening, what the Bible actually says. These are the words of Jesus for those who are living in the last days so we can look and go, okay, now it makes sense to me. Well, you can just imagine the disciples. They've been with Jesus for three and a half years, and they've been waiting for the kingdom. I mean, they read the prophets. They knew that God had a plan for Israel. And and the Messiah was going to come and, and deliver them. And there was going to be this wonderful kingdom. All the prophets talked about that. You've preached through the minor prophets and, and your listeners are all familiar with those passages. Well, Jesus, when is it going to happen? When's it going to happen? And now he's been talking about going to Jerusalem and dying and that's blowing their mind. And uh, it's Tuesday uh, of Jesus last week. And they've, they've been in the temple. There's been all this conflict going on. He's already cleansed the temple the day before he cursed the fig tree and that whole story. And now they walk across the Kidron Valley. They're looking back across at the temple. And in Mark uh, chapter uh, 13, verse 1, the disciples say, wow, what a beautiful building over there. And you can just imagine the, the polished stones of the temple and all of the glory of that. But it's like, Lord, isn't that awesome? And then Jesus drops the bombshell. Not one stone's going to be left. Now you can just imagine that just kind of ruined their day. But then they ask two very powerful questions. And the questions are this. What is the sign of your coming? When are these things going to be? So the two the questions have to do with timing and the signs. And then Jesus responds um, and, and gives them two signs, specifically talks about the timing and, and lays out some very important elements to them or for them and really for us. But the thing to remember is this. We don't want to under exegete or over exegete this passage. And I don't know if you've seen that happen, Tom. I've seen it so many times. It's like, uh, as it starts down through there, there's this overview between verse five and verse 13, and it starts listing off things. And um, this, just an overview of the seven years of, of Daniel's 70th week. And during that, that overview, you hear about wars and rumors of wars, and it gives this list of things. And, and sometimes we over exegete, sometimes, you know, we become yeah. zealous and there's an earthquake and it's like, Oh, there it is. Pastor yeah. Tom. That, that's exact. It does happen. That's why I want you here is because you're going to really make sense of everything. What's happening in the prophecy world right now, people are interpreting the Bible according to the news. Exactly. Instead of it being the other way around. And so that's what we're going to do because we got to fit it into the right context. Listen, I, anybody who watches me knows, knows that I believe that we could be caught up to meet the Lord in the air at any moment. I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. The Bible's very clear. It does teach a rapture. Uh, Paul mm -hmm. talks about that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. There is a generation of believers alive that will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. They're going to be caught up alive. Come for one another with those words. So there's going to be a rapture. But um, when that happens, I don't know the day or the hour. But I look at all of the events taking place, 
It could happen at any moment, and we better be ready. However, every earthquake, every bizarre thing that happens doesn't mean this is going to happen tomorrow. And uh, there's been a lot of predictions on who the Antichrist is. There's been a lot of predictions about uh, when the rapture is going to take place. And every single one of those predictions so far has been wrong. Every single one of them. None of them have been right. I was I was in Bible college and a book came out, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Going to Come Back in 88. And everyone was talking about it. And then it didn't happen. I remember sitting in class that day and I said, are we going to have class? The rapture is happening today. And the professors are like, ha, yeah, we're having class. And, and then, of course, you remember that December uh, of 88. He came out with another book, 89 Reasons Why It's yeah. Going to Happen in 89. But it's it's what we don't want to do is torture scripture. We believe in the authority of scripture. And, and we don't want to distort it. So let me just, okay. let me just kind of quickly touch on a couple of things. This overview that Jesus gives of the last, uh, uh, the seven-year tribulation, starting in verse five, is number one in verse five. There's going to be all kind of, uh, verse, uh, excuse me, verse six. There's going to be many who will come in my name and they will mislead many. High deception. Mm-hmm. The seven years filled with deception. Um, from the Antichrist, from Satan, from demonic influence. And, you know, we've, we taste a bit of that today. We're not in these days, but, but, but there's that spirit, demonic influence of, of deceiving God's people. And, boy, I don't know about you. I'm seeing people being seduced by, for example, emotionalism in our day and rationalism and, uh, uh, well, quite honestly, the worship of self and all of these different elements it's going to be insane during those seven years. And then it talks in verse, in verse seven, that there's uh, wars and rumors of wars. Uh, but notice the next line there in verse seven says, don't be frightened by those things. These things are going to take place. And so every time there's a war in the Middle East, you know, I get bombarded. See, this is happening. And Jesus was right. Well, Jesus is right, but we're not living in those days. These things are merely the beginnings. They're just merely examples, merely shadows of what is to come. And it's going to be in much greater intensity. Yeah. Well, even, even Mark here where he says um, in a New King James Bible, it says, uh, for such things must happen, but the end is not yet in verse 7. And just yep. for our viewers, these things are always going to happen, the things that he points out. There's always going to be deception. There always has. However, yep. in the last days, it'll increase. Um, and I do believe we are seeing that. And, and you mentioned self-deception. Um, the, the self is what is deceiving a lot of people right now. And for self-preservation, people will do almost anything. Uh, but you look at all of the various signs that you're going to get to in just a second, the earthquakes, the wars and rumors of wars, nation against nation, all these things always must be, Jesus says. They've always been here since the beginning. They're always going to be here but they're going to increase, aren't they? And you know what? I think you're absolutely right when you just mentioned they're increasing now, almost at a point where I almost can't emotionally catch up with the reality around me. So when I first started in ministry 25 years ago, 30 years ago, postmodernism started not only infecting the world, but infecting Christians. And that is that, that truth is um, that there is no absolute truth that it's all relative and whatever you believe, it really doesn't matter because we can't know anything for sure. And we've, it's morphed into uh, postmodern thinking has morphed into truth is a bully. If you believe in absolute truth, you're just trying to bully people. But mm-hmm. then, so that would be like in the nineties, mm-hmm. then there was this shift of moral relativism. And 
all of us are bombarded with this. Moral relativism basically denies that morality is rooted in a deeper truth. And so therefore, you know, it just, um, uh, it's, you can change morality however you want. And so when we talk about, you know, good being called evil and evil being called good, um, that's part of that moral relativism that's taking place. And, and just in the last three years, emotionalism, all these build on each other, They're, they move in a trajectory. And emotionalism um, basically revolves around um, how do you feel about this? Now, let me just give an illustration. If I feel like I'm a monkey, you would look at me and say, Mark, that's not reality. We've got to get you some help, right? And you would try and help me come back to reality. But today, if I say I'm a monkey because of emotionalism, now we're going to change everything else around us so that the world affirms you feel mm -hmm. like a monkey, you are a monkey. And it's, and it's mind-blowing the implications, whether you're talking in the area of sexuality um, or right or wrong, emotionalism is now the God. And it's been this very rapid progress. And so if it's been like that during these days, and you think about the tribulation period, how much more it's going to be intense then, it's incomprehensible, the delusion of those days. Oh, yeah. Very well said. So we have the deception here, and then Jesus goes on and says, uh, but when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be troubled. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Um, you look at those signs and what's taking place. Yeah, so there's only been like 268 years in all of human history where there haven't been wars. So there's always been wars, but somehow I missed when I first trusted Jesus and I was living there in your town, in your valley, and I was going to a great church. And I remember them teaching on this and they said the first three and a half years are going to be peaceful of the tribulation and the last three and a half years will be, you know, filled with war. Well, that's true between the Antichrist and Israel. But when you look at the seal judgments, those first three and a half years are filled with wars. They're filled with conflict. There's all kinds of stuff happening nation against nation. And you think about uh, today, are there threats today? I mean, Americans today are told one of the greatest threats we have is, uh, is eating red meat. I don't know if you've seen that from the, <laughs> from, from the World Economic uh, Forum, but uh, on their eight big things for 2030 is we got to get people in the world to eat less red meat because we're destroying the environment. Yeah. And, and I sit there and think about that and I just go, that's, that's one of your top most eight important things to do in the world. And you've got China getting ready to put um, missiles over top of the United States, a hundred miles up. You're not concerned about that. Well, good. Well, here's two things to think about. First Timothy chapter four. I, I know you know this well. Now the spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons Verse 2, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Commanding to abstain from, from foods. Some translations rightly interpret that as commanding to abstain from meats. 
And so yeah. we watch, we watch this progression. Listen, I don't think being a vegetarian means you're worshiping the devil. In fact, right now I'm I'm really trying my best to just stay with vegetables for a while because I got issues, right? But there's a doctrine. This is specific yeah. about a doctrine. And that is what we see coming from places, not just the World Economic Forum, the UN's Agenda 2030, as you said there. And you look at you yeah. go, well, what is really going on here? God says this is why, because God said it was good. He says, you're, I've, you're supposed to eat this. God's blessed yeah. it. It's for his people. And because God said it was good, this doctrine is now saying, just as you quoted, is saying, no, that's, that's of the devil. It's one of the worst problems we have. Eating meat. having a, I'm looking going, you've got to be kidding me, but that's what's happening. You know, I had a really sharp, I used this as an illustration and I actually had the quotes and stuff up there from the UN and everybody. And this last week and this great young man who's 20 years old comes up to me and says, well, why is that a big deal? And one would be the reference you just gave when you spiritualize something. Well, why is this being spiritualized? Because of pantheism. And that's the new spiritualism. That's another one of the isms of our day. I'm not religious. I'm just spiritual. I have a spiritual connection to Mother Earth. I have a spiritual connection. So pantheism, which is the New Age movement, which goes back to Hinduism, which has been around a long time, the worship of animals. And, and, and I, great young guy, I was sitting there talking to him. I said, you think about this. Um, our church, we, we raise funds and help people buy goats in Africa. And we buy bulls so that they can cultivate more ground and grow more food. And, and you think about meat, it provides a protein. Now, again, as American, I grabbed him. He's a strong, strong guy. I grabbed him. I said, now, you may not get this as an American because when you need protein, you just go down and buy whey protein and mix it up in your drinks or whatever you're doing. But the rest of the world, they, they get it by eating protein, by eating meat. And I described how uh, two eggs a day in somebody's diet totally changes the health of my friends in Africa when we go and preach the gospel there. And so we start churches and then we create these little cottage industries and to care for the orphans and widows and chickens and things that create protein for them to eat goats and, and et cetera. But it goes on from there. I, I don't know if we want to go on, on yeah. there, Tom, but so it talks about the wars, rumors of wars. It talks about the earthquakes, all kinds of earthquakes happening. Friends, there's always been earthquakes, but they're going to be earthquakes in a new dimension during the seal judgments, during these early parts of the tribulation. Um, it talks about whole islands disappearing. Can you imagine the tectonic movements that's going to take place where Hawaii just goes off the map? Um, or it talks about the continents being displaced. Uh, my kids live in a, uh, uh, Alaska, and so you know we see earthquakes in that in that rim all the time up there, and and uh, they they can be catastrophic as you look back in history, but it's nothing compared to what's coming. Famines. Uh, Again, hard for us as Americans to appreciate because America is so big that that when one state has, you know, a drought, it usually doesn't affect the whole country. We still have food, but I've been in other parts of the world. Countries are small and when they go through famine, it's total devastation. But famine because of the wars and rumors of wars, people not planting, it's going to be catastrophic in ways that we've never even seen. And then he moves from there after talking about those things to three levels of persecution, the courts, the synagogue, and the family. Hmm. And hmm. boy, this is through truth, through, again, through human history. Um, all the, the Christians have suffered. Before Christians, the Jews suffered, right? So you got 
different dispensations. You got the dispensation of, of law. You got the dispensation of the church. You got the dispensation of the kingdom. You got that tribulation in that middle. This is going to be really intense because why the antichrist who is in, um, indwelt by Satan is going to be running the court systems and in the synagogues and dividing homes. And we see that today, don't we? Oh, yeah. We're watching homes get divided like crazy. In fact, where um, uh, uh, Jesus earlier said nation will be against nation, um, Greek word is ethnos. We get our English word ethnic, people group against people group. We are witnessing that. We are watching uh, half the world being told that uh, there's a particular race. If they're white, especially if they're Christian, they're racist, and therefore they need to be eliminated. And we're, we're, we're living in that right now, watching this play out. So when Jesus says nation will be against nation, it is being taught. At the same time, they're saying, look, don't be a hater, but hate that entire group of people. Listen, there's something much more sinister behind this than skin color. We know it's a spiritual thing that's taking place. But right now, Mark, we're already witnessing family members turn against each other just with lockdowns alone. We're watching it. And then the talk of vaccines. Some family members want to get it. Some don't. And then and then it, it has gotten really ugly. I don't know if people in your congregation, but in mine, it is not pleasant. And there are family members say, you're done. Uh, you won't stay locked down or you have a problem with the mask or or uh, you won't get a vaccine or whatever. You will get a vaccine, whatever. But we're witnessing it. But these things are still not the end, according to Jesus. This is this is only a sampler like a preview of what of, is to come, a preview of coming attractions, kind of like a trailer for a movie. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So so again, friends, Christian friends, Jesus is the one that unites us. Brothers and sisters of color, what unites us? Jesus. Uh, Jew and Greek. I mean, talk about ethnic tension. And then you think about um, uh, all through history. Why is there tension? Because there's sin that's come into the world. And what's the solution? Jesus Christ. Because there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who is over all, in all, and through all. And and that's that's the uh, the blessing there. But think about the courts there. And and uh, again, just a sampler. I don't know if you saw this this. Uh, Last week, there was a, a man in Canada who was jailed because he wouldn't use a, a masculine pronoun for his 14-year-old yeah. daughter. Yeah. Um, and so the courts involved over issues of morality and ethics and your personal beliefs. Now, you say that's Canada. That never happened in America. Friends, it's coming to a town near mm -hmm. you. Um, you think about synagogues, spiritual places, and they've departed. And I can't tell you how many people have been coming to our church, joining our church over this last year, saying the church I've been going to for 20 years has abandoned the Bible. For heaven's sake, stick with the Bible, stick with the word of God. Amen. And it's going to be worse in those days. Amen. Hey, can I stop here for a second? Yeah. Two things I want to point out. One of them is you mentioned Canada. So you mentioned the courts, but also it's going to be fought in the courts, in the religious centers, and then in the family. And in Canada, there's also the pastor that's been jailed yep. for staying open and preaching the gospel. He's, he, had a, he had an interesting quote. He said, all the pastors who have shut their churches and don't open and aren't teaching the Bible— are going to stand before God one day and God's going to ask them, why did you close my church? These pastors think it's their church. It's, it's God's church. And they're forgetting that. And then as far as the Bible goes and not preaching the truth, that's one reason why we're going through the, the Olivet Discourse. But with that, Mark, I look at this and think, 
Um, do you th think, or does it seem to you that what God is doing right now is a separation of the wheat from the chaff, so to speak? Because I'm, I'm watching what's taking place, and there's just so many pastors. There's a pastor in San Diego that said, uh, Jesus is a racist. I don't know if you saw that one. I don't, you know, did you hear that? <laughs> no, but nothing surprises me anymore. Yeah, it just, and, and, it's it, just... Oh, you, I'll, I'll, this in a summary, right? Gospel of Mark, the woman who's a Greek, she approaches Jesus, her daughter's demon possessed. You know the passage, right? Yeah. And, she's, yeah. and Jesus says to her, um, I've come to the children of Israel. And then she says, well, even the dogs get the crumbs off the table. And so he heals her daughter because of her faith. So the guy says, well, Jesus was a racist. The woman called him out on his racism. And he, and Jesus, he actually says, Jesus repented of his racism. And that's why he healed her. So that is, this really happened at a church just recently in San Diego. So we're seeing this kind of stuff, but it seems to me that we are witnessing a separation of the wheat from the, the, the tears in the, and you brought up pre let's stick with the church, stick with a pastor that is staying with the Bible and rightly dividing the truth and helping us to make sense of the days that we live in. Cause so many are, have gone by the wayside. Amen to that. I can't, I can't even imagine a pastor saying that, uh, but I will say this, he is not a pastor of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. He's also a gay, a pastor of a gay church. Okay, so there. Um, I, yeah, just so, so I, you look at yeah. this, and people are following him. And you look, you go, this is just bizarre. But here we are, this twenty twenty one, and if you criticize something like that, we're the haters. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, just remember this: sin comes into the world and destroys our relationship with God, and the people that warn others. Turn from your sin. Jesus Christ died to pay for that sin. You're lying, your adultery, your pornography, your homosexual desires. I don't know what your desires are. I don't know what your sins are. Jesus is the solution for the problem. And, you know, I tell people I struggle. We all struggle. We're all frail. We all sin, but Jesus washes away our sin. And I always tell people this. There's one, you know, the, count, the, the cancel culture looks let back in everyone's history and says, oh, we don't think you're any good. Oh, we, this guy's looking back and saying, ah, oh, Jesus wasn't any good. Well, he was perfect. Hello, without sin, created the world, holds every atom together. And, uh, and for him to say that, what a, what a horrible thing. Stick with the Bible, friends. Stick with the Bible. Amen. Okay, I cut you off. I sidetracked you. Let's go. Oh, well, it, it, just, it just goes down through there describing the, the animosity in the homes. And and if I think for the first time, Americans are feeling a level of animosity that we can look at this passage and go, wow, it really is costing us to follow Jesus. I mean, if you if you say that, um, uh, you know, that if you say that men and women are different and that men can't have babies, that's now considered hate speech mm -hmm. and not very far down the road, friends, it's going to be a hate crime. What's the difference between hate speech? Well, there's nothing that can happen legally. When it becomes a hate crime, now people are going to be going to jail and they're going to be liable for civil action and so forth. And these things are these things are coming for us, and it's going to be worse in this day. In fact, it's going to be so bad. Uh, the Jewish believers who are turning to Jesus who are actually going to read these verses are going to say, "Are any of us are going to make it?" Is that's the big question. And then Jesus gives this final punchline in verse thirteen. Um, 
that they'll be hated by all because of his name, because of my name, you'll be hated by all. And then he's got these words, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Now that's not talking about eternal life. It's talking about those who persevere through the tribulation period, make it to the end. It feels like none of you are going to make it. You're going to be hated by all. But when you, if you make it to the end, we know from Zechariah 14, Jesus touches down the Mount of Olives, rescues the redeemed from Amen. Israel, all of Israel, who's alive at that point, turns, recognizes Jesus, believes in him, um, talks about the Gentiles who have believed in Jesus during that time, who have been running and they're feeling isolated and alone, and, and he's going to gather them. So this is a very important overview of the seven years. And friends, you and I are tasting bits and pieces of it right now. Yeah, I, I look at that. I think that's exciting to me. These are the ones in the tribulation, those Jews who make it to the finish line. They haven't lost their life. They're those yep. who have believed in Yeshua, come to faith in Yeshua during the trib in Jesus during the tribulation period. That's exciting. I can imagine that day when Jesus comes back, touches down on the Mount of Olives, and standing with him also is the 144,000, according to Revelation chapter 14. So it's, I mean, can you imagine the excitement in Jerusalem? That'd be off the charts. Okay. It's party. But not only that, Tom, we're going to be coming back with him and we're going to be part of the party and resurrected yeah. bodies. We're coming back. He's riding on a horse and we got horses. We're coming back. That's that's going to be exciting. We've both been to to uh, Jezreel Valley and looked, you know, Armageddon and looked and seen, look up in the sky. Someday, Lord willing, if we can go back to Israel, it'd be great to go there with you. So in here, in the next verse. Uh, it's when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not. Let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains and then so forth with the fleeing. Um, so the abomination of desolation, you get a, question, a lot of questions about this because this is speaking of, I believe, Mark, the time when Antichrist uh, stands in the temple. And I go back to the words of Damon Duck, who said, uh, again, this is what he said. The Bible clearly teaches that Antichrist and false prophet will be active on earth at the same time during the tribulation period. If we are close to a world government run by Antichrist, we're close to a world religion run by the false prophet. And we are watching dynamics take place in this world right now that seem to me to be stage setting for the, the 10 kingdom world to come about. The Revelation chapter 17, Daniel with the vision, also with the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had in the toes, um, but also with anointing Antichrist to put him at the top. The world is looking for a leader. They certainly don't want God to be their leader. They certainly don't want to be led by anything biblical or righteous, um, but they're looking for that man. And you look at this and you read this passage here, we know it's coming. But with that, I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, you got Fortune 500 companies joining, again, um, the World Financial Forum. And those are the richest people in the world. Friends, the richest people in the world are not only um, prophesying that America won't be a world superpower by 2030, but a group of nations will control the world. And um, they're, they're not only just prophesying that, they're leveraging their money, their power, their influence collectively to accomplish that. And it, and I... Now, if, if God holds them off, um, Jesus doesn't come back today and rapture the church, it, it'll be projected out. But it's going to be something like that. So the two signs, uh, again, they ask two questions. What are the two questions? What is the timing of this, Lord? And what are the signs? So now he's going to give the two signs. 
Verse 14, the first sign is this, when you see the abomination of desolation. Israel, you know um, that your biggest sign during the times of the tribulation is this abomination. That means the temple has to, the Jews have to be in the land. The temple has to be rebuilt. Um, the, the temple worship has to somewhat be established. And Satan is going to indwell the Antichrist. He's going to walk in there and set himself up to be worshiped. Why? He's always trying to steal the worship of God. Think about it. Jerusalem is the place that God chose his name would be worshiped. And so he's going to try and go on God's home turf and take God's temple mount. What a great assault against God. Mm. Now, when they hear this, there's a couple of things. One, they're supposed to flee. Don't stick around Jerusalem, head to the mountains. And then he says, pray, pray. doesn't happen in winter. Cause then you got flood stage stuff. You wouldn't be able to cross, for example, the Jordan river situations like that. And then he talks about the intensity in verse 19, never like this before, not like it today, not like it in the, this is the, this is the apex of suffering, wickedness abounding on the face of the earth, the ultimate overthrow, if you will, of trying to get rid of God. And then he, uh, he goes on and again, mentions in verse 22, the deception showing of signs and wonders. And then the action point, take heed. I've told you everything in advance, everything you need to know about this situation that you need, not every, not every question that you have, but the things you need to know, I've told them to you. So that's sign number one. Amen. So we have that developing. I believe things are things are heading that way. You mentioned again, Agenda 2030. This is the goal. It's, it's no longer just the tech companies. We have Big Corp. You mentioned that. We're watching all of this. They're all going, it's funny how they're all going the direction exactly, exactly the same way the Bible said they were going to go. So we have the world, the world leaders, and the dynamics of the entire world, the political world, the culture of the world, and the Bible, they're all going this direction, exactly where the Bible said they were going to go. What a coincidence. Huh. Seems like you ought to trust what the Bible says is coming next. So what, what's the next big sign you see here? Yeah, they should respond. And, and But, you know, Belshazzar didn't really pay much attention when Daniel said, yeah. the Medes and the Persians are going to own you tomorrow. Yeah. And they, they laughed at him. on the wall. Yeah. We have the but writing, then the second sign. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Now we have the writing right here in the Word, and people are not paying attention to it. But as Daniel said in Daniel chapter 12, the wise will see it and the wise will understand. Hence, that's why we're doing this right now. Amen. So the first sign is the abomination of desolation. Second sign is starting in verse 24. It describes there after that tribulation, which is really important because there's a there's a couple of little Greek prepositions that are going to be used here to describe timing and sequence. So after the tribulation, at the end of the seven years, then it describes there the sun darkened and the moon will not give its light. And this is a reference that's used multiple times in the Old Testament. It's, moved, it's used in the book of Revelation. Uh, and then, of course, all of the Olivet Discord accounts describes there. So think about looking into the stars and, and God kind of, wiping them back. The way I kind of describe it to people is Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So he creates the earth and he's got this space and time. And it is until the fourth day, he creates the moon, sun, and stars, right? So you have this blank slate as, as um, if, if there was somebody, there was man hadn't been created, Adam hadn't been created. But if you looked up in the sky, it would just be black. And, and, and so it's like all the stars out there, God wipes that away. And why? Because in the next verse there, verse 26, and then they will see the son of man. So they will see the abomination of desolation. It's a real event. 
in time and history at a specific location at a specific time. It's real. It's visible. Now you got the visible return of Christ. This isn't spiritual. It's not mystical. Don't let anybody suggest that to you. Don't buy into that. This is visible, physical, bodily return of Jesus in glory, power, and majesty. So God wipes away the stars, blocks things out, and then all of a sudden Jesus shows up. Those are the two big signs specifically they are supposed to see, the key word being see. Amen. So this is, this, let me give a, a, a time frame or a, uh, um, uh, a rundown on, on, on how this will go. The is the way I see it. Rapture takes place. Amen. And then sometime after the rapture, there will be the covenant that's confirmed with the Antichrist and the many. I can see that in the works. I don't know what it is, but we can see the world going that way. Okay. Tribulation begins. Midpoint of the tribulation is the abomination of desolation. Antichrist appears. He's there in Jerusalem. It's an assault on God. I love how you put that. That's what it is. He wants to be worshipped as God. He's always wanted to be worshipped. It's not until the the end of the tribulation period when the verse you just quoted when every the the sun turns to black the moon to blood red and jesus appears in the heavens coming in the clouds that's at the end of the tribulation period when jesus comes back and we come back with him so that's the timeline again for a lot of people they look at bible prophecy and they think they confuse the rapture with the second coming of christ they are not the same in the rapture we go up and in the second coming, we come back with him. We go up to meet him. We come back with him in the second coming. Amen. Yeah. And, and what I always want people to see that time sequence. And, and some people will say, oh, I, I can't understand prophecy. It's mystical. Friends, this is not all that mystical. There's, there's real words with real interpretations, with real timelines, with real events. And uh, this is going to happen. Then this, then this, then this. It's there if we just recognize it. And these two signs are really important. I think there's a, there's something that people have missed. I think as they read the Bible, there's only two kingdoms, Jesus says there's God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom. And so you see this conflict everywhere. And in prophecy, you see this even here, sign one, Satan's kingdom, overthrowing God, opposing in God's face. I'm taking the temple Mount where your name is supposed to be honored. And then Jesus says, Oh, no, you're not. And he steps down on the Mount of Olives, Mount of Olives is split, and he rescues the Jews that are still in Jerusalem, and he takes it all back. So we see this two-kingdom sort of concept here again. And then, of course, in verse 27, he sends out the angels and gathers the elect from the four corners of the earth. Man, this, this sign is ultimately what we're looking for because then it ushers in the kingdom, which is ultimately what the disciples were looking for. Lord, when's the kingdom coming? It's coming abomination of desolation, then you'll see the Son of Man, elect will be drawn, and the kingdom starts. Mm -hmm. Okay, so with that, then it goes into this, and uh, uh, I, I want to ask your opinion on this. This will probably be the last thing we'll be able to get to, but that's all right. Now learn this parable from the fig tree, verse 28. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near, so you also, when you see these things happening, know that it is near, at the, do at the doors, assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away until all these things take place. Okay, the fig tree, this generation, um, what's going on here? All right, I think, I think the key to understanding is go back to the two questions. What were the two questions? What are the signs and what's the time? 
So he gave us the two signs that, that stand out. They're the main events. Um, and then he gives us the timing. And notice in verse 28, there's two verbs. There's the verb uh, now learn, and then you've got down in verse 29, recognize. And both of them end with near. So recognize it's near. Um, learn that it's near. And then he gives us parable. Now, just because the fig tree is mentioned, Jesus has a, a lesson about the fig tree in chapter 11. doesn't mean it's the same thing. A lot of times people will misinterpret the Bible because a word is used over here like fig tree, and then it's used over here, so these got to be the same thing. That's not true. Immediate context describes it, and he uses this parable for a time signature. Now, as you read it, it says, when you see these things happen, recognize uh, that he, Jesus, is near. So, so what did we learn from the fig tree? Well, I live in Minnesota. It's horribly cold here. Tom, just you better be praising God you live in Southern California. <laughs> but winter, winter comes here, and all of the, the limbs on the trees become very brittle. You can walk by a, a, a tree, grab a branch, and just snap it right off. But it starts to warm up a little bit, and the sap start, starts flowing. And all of a sudden, those limbs that were once brittle now become very flexible. And then they start getting these little buds on it. And it's like, you just have to go look. You go and you look at them. And, and uh, this we're right in that season right now. And so we actually, just this last Sunday, we were, we were talking about this in church. And we go out and you can see, you see the little buds coming. And the, the water is, uh, uh, the ice is starting to disappear. And everyone's cheering in our church because we know summer is near. It is like right at hand. Well, these are agricultural people. They understood fig trees. They understood you recognize the season is near by what's happening on these trees, right? We didn't have, we didn't carry around calendars the same way. We didn't have watches. We didn't have iPhones. We didn't have uh, droids. We didn't have all those, those things to track time, but season changes. We get that. And he's, and he says, look, you know, you know, it's near when you see this. And then he gives two more things. He says, look, that's how you recognize it's near. That's, that's as good as I'm going to give you on the timing. It's near when you see these things coming together. And then he gives two things. This generation will not pass away and my words will not pass away. Whatever else happens, we can count on Jesus' words coming to take place. Okay, so with that, so I get this question a lot. I know what my answer is. Uh, I'm curious, this is your answer. It says, this generation will not pass away. I have lots of colleagues that have said, okay, the generation since 1948, Israel's a nation again, will not pass away. No, this means the generation since 1967, uh, the Jews had Jerusalem again. So that generation will not pass away. And then they go into the Bible, well, the generation is 70 years, generation is 80 years, generation is 40 years. And so there's these predictions that come in. What do you say to, you got the fig tree, one, and a generation. What do you, what to you, what do you think it means here? What's a generation? Yeah, in this, ethnos in this is context. The, in verse 30, the Greek word there is ethnos. And this is really important. I think the, the English translation, the King James translation used generation. I wish they would have used race. That would have been the more normal uh, inter, uh, uh, translation of that word, at least for our language, mm -hmm. because the Jewish people are going to be under such assault. Remember how intense is it? Jesus says there's never been a time like this before or after. The Holocaust was small potatoes compared to what's coming during the days of the tribulation. And so um, I, I would suggest to you that the, the Jewish race, though they're going to be hunted and hounded by the Antichrist and all of the gates of hell trying to eradicate them. Why? Because God has made a promise that he's got a kingdom for them 
and that they're going to go into that kingdom and he's going to bless them, just like he said through the prophets over and over again. And Satan's going to pour out everything he can to eradicate them. And so he makes a promise. You know, it's near when you see these events happening. The kingdom is right at hand. This generation won't pass away. I'm giving you my word. My words will not pass away. So Israel, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. Israel's going to make it. I also, I look at it like this when I think of the generation not passing away in the fig tree and all the buds on the fig tree, because Jesus says, when you see these things, so you have the, the two signs you mentioned, the abomination of desolation and Jesus returning at the end of the tribulation period. Okay. So with that, Mark, you have, I look at it like all these other events, um, as Jesus said in the very beginning, these things must always take place. So the earthquakes, the famines, the pestilences, wars and rumors, wars, all these things must always take place. However, they don't really have a time frame for a particular generation until the Jews are a nation again. You have the context of the middle of the tribulation, the abomination of desolation. So until it's that context, they're just earthquakes. They're, they're yeah. unfortunate circumstances. There are famines. But when you have it in the context, hence Jesus says, when you see these things take place, your redemption draws near. So, so get any illustrations that might help everybody to understand what I just said? Yeah. I, you know, since I've lived in Minnesota, I've lived here five years, never had any um, insurance claims on my house. I've moved here and my house has been struck by lightning. I, I um, fried uh, everything in our house. We lost all kinds of stuff. Um, didn't have a refrigerator for a month and a half. Um, then my then we had a hailstorm, and it and it took out our roof. It took out our siding. Took out some windows. Uh, got that all fixed. Then we had another hailstorm, and it took out our roof. <laughs> took out our siding. <laughs> took out our windows. <laughs> And, and now the insurance company hates me and I'm going, Hey, I didn't, I didn't cause this. But what I try and tell people, we have hailstorms today. In fact, I was preaching at your church in the first hailstorm. I don't know uh -huh. if you remember that people were sending me the text and it's like the windows are shattering and stuff. Anyways, it was crazy, but that's nothing compared to the hundred pound hailstones that are coming in the bowl judgments in the days ahead. And so these things are just merely tastes sample plate of what is to come of the judgments. And that's the reason if you haven't trusted in Jesus Christ as your savior, you need to today because salvation is Christ. He died on the cross, paid for sins so that you and I might have everlasting life. So we don't have the wrath of God in hell and we don't have the wrath of God on earth. Amen. I love how you said it one time. It's like, you look at this, like you order you at a restaurant, you order your food and you don't yeah. order the French fries to get a hamburger. You order a hamburger and everything else comes. And these two signs you, you, you said were yeah. like the, uh, they're like the hamburger. And then you, you've ordered that, but all of the other things are coming. Uh, you get the entree until the entree is here. All these things don't have the placeholder for the last days. And right now we can see the, uh, it's like the waitress, the, the cook's got it on the plate. The waitress is, is bringing it to your table to deliver the entire entree. All these things are taking place right now. In closing, Mark, thank you very much. But Jesus says here, of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, of, uh, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. 
Um, and then again, he is, we have the admonition to watch this admonition to watch, watch and be ready, watch and pray. And that's what we're doing. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. Do you have any closing words for every, so for all of our viewers? Yeah. You know, six times in this passage, he uses two different Greek words. He uses them each three times. And he emphasizes that the Jews of that day, the believers in Jesus Christ of the Gentile nations in the days of the tribulations uh, should be alert and watching, vigilant, doing the will of God in that moment. And it's very interesting. Those same Greek words are used in the New Testament for church age believers. Yeah, we're not looking for the Antichrist. Why? Because we know Jesus can come at any time. We're looking for the Lord Jesus, it says in 1 Thessalonians and Philippians chapter 3. But we are supposed to be alert and vigilant doing the will of God. This is so important. When we study prophecy, it shouldn't move us to complacency. It should move us to activity. We should love the church. We should love our church family. We should love our, our pastors that are teaching us the Bible. We should love our Sunday school teachers. We should love our Awana workers. We should love those little kids that are learning those Bible verses. We should be willing to sacrifice, uh, give sacrificially, um, uh, ministering to their needs, inviting people to our homes, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with great urgency. Why? Because the time is at hand. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Mark, if someone wants to, to view any of your videos or anything, they want to connect with you, how do they do that? Yeah, we're at uh, Revive Church in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, and just type in Revive Church Brooklyn Park or Revive Church Mark Henry, and it'll probably find you right there, but it's uh, Revive Church Brooklyn Park. Uh, dot org. Great. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, what a blessing. I know it's cold out there. May, may it warm up out there soon. Uh, you know, when it gets, when it starts getting warm out here, Mark, I'm thinking, oh no, it's going to be 120 degrees. <laughs> You're thinking, yes, I can go fishing. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just looking forward to looking forward to it being 60. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if it's below 80, I start to freeze. So, <laughs> hey, thank you very much, Mark. And thank you all for joining us tonight. And uh, may God richly bless you. Oh, by the way, go to HopeForOurTimes.com. And there I have information on any of the events. I forgot to mention this. We have our prophecy conference that's coming in June. You get information online for that prophecy conference in June. Uh, until next week, God bless. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.